When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So there's a few different uh, really interesting topics that I want to discuss in this sort of weekly wrap-up video. But I want to start off with, of course, the precious metals markets. Now, I'm not going to go super deep today in in sort of price analysis and in what they've done because I did just that yesterday, actually, talking about how gold and silver had both rallied very uh, surprisingly or, or... Surprisingly, is not the right word, but in an encouraging manner, right after the uh, the Fed meeting, actually, is sort of as it was going on, or after the uh, as the press conference was going on, uh, silver and gold dipped very quickly and then quickly bounced back to the upside, and since then they have moved up a, a fair bit more. So it's all very encouraging, but. You know, there's only so much that can happen in 24 hours since I last talked about it. So instead, what I want to talk about is a bit more about the long-term outlook for silver and gold. And and I'll remind you guys, you know, I I know a lot of you guys enjoy my work. And I appreciate that a lot. I appreciate every one of you tuning in if it's once a week or five times a week, whatever it is. I appreciate that immensely. But let's not kid ourselves. Uh, I'm not a hedge fund manager. I don't manage anybody's money. My net worth is is not measured in millions or, or billions or anything like that. You know, in the whole scheme of things, I, I, I hope that my insight and my discussion is valuable to you that I offer value to every one of you. And I'd love one day to manage a hedge fund, even if that's not right, current career arc. I'd love to do something like that. But obviously it's not in the cards right now. I'm, I'm relatively young and that's just not. So, so where am I going with this? It's great to listen to me and all. And I appreciate it a ton. But where the rubber meets the road is how, it's, it's in what the, the real decision makers, the real players in the market, what they ultimately decide and how they feel about things. And that's why in the past, I know it's been a while, but I've, I've liked to have guests on to, to discuss these types of things. And there's a whole host of podcasts and, and YouTube channels out there that do just that, you know, to name some off the top of my head. Uh, real Vision. Is a, is a great resources, resource. And they have a ton of, of asset managers and hedge fund managers, people that are managing, you know, as, as a whole, billions and billions of dollars. Um, uh, McIlvaney Weekly Commentary, that's another great one. Oftentimes it's just the two individuals from uh, McIlvaney Wealth Management, but occasionally they'll also have some very large asset managers, uh, of course, managing a large amount, I'm talking, uh, on on their podcast, and, and it's great to listen to them as well. And then there's macro voices, which kind of brings me to this topic that I'm getting at right here. 
uh, that oftentimes has has great guests, sometimes the same guests that are on those other podcasts or other channels or YouTube channels, um, but but all great sources because you get to hear a variety of opinions and more importantly, opinions that matter. Not to say that your opinion doesn't matter, like it does. My opinion matters. If it if it didn't, I don't think anybody would be here listening to me talk day after day. But I would argue that somebody that manages millions or billions of dollars in, in a hedge fund or, or uh, in the investment branch of, of a bank or financial institution or any of that, their opinion probably matters a little bit more on, on a lot of these topics. They're probably smarter than us, but what they do actually has a, a significant bearing on where the market is heading. So this brings me back to, back to silver and gold. And the... A whole host of of guests, you know, asset managers, hedge hedge fund guys, that are incredibly bullish on silver and gold. Again, we're talking about individuals that, as a whole, are managing billions and billions of dollars, and these aren't all just sort of, you know, on the fringe type of of guys in the financial field, right? Not some guy that started his own hedge fund and manages, you know, whatever the minimum is for, for a hedge fund. No. I mean, we have we have people like Ray Dalio, right? He, he manages, I think, one of the largest uh, hedge funds. I think it's a hedge fund. Uh, BlackRock, Blackstone, I forget the exact name of it. Um, historically, he's been very positive gold. Jeff Gunlock, historically, very positive gold, very negative on the dollar and bonds and, and the economy, right? It's great to have those guys on our side, right? And then some of the other ones that I already mentioned, people like uh, Real Vision, uh, Raul Pal, former, uh, I forget exactly which company he worked for. He worked for one of the big banks, um, but again, very positive gold. Uh, David McIlvaney, which I mentioned, which come as no surprise for those that know him and his father, huge on gold. Uh, Eric Townsend and Patrick Serezna from Macrovoice is huge on gold. But then their guests oftentimes are as well. And the one that I was listening to uh, most recently was this week's. And by the way, I, I recommend that you guys tune into all of those those podcasts that I just mentioned. Great content, probably better than my own. I was listening to one this week, their their weekly feature interview guest, and it was a guy by the name of Alex Gurevich. He's a big fixed income guy, bond market guy, uh, interest rates and all of that, which, which I find interesting. Some people don't. It's whatever. But his view on that and, and overall, you know, the overall economic picture and what central banks and governments are going to be doing heading, you know, going forward basically brings him to the conclusion that investors have to be in gold. But but the way that he put it I thought was so interesting and it's something that I've I've put I have talked about at length in the past. But again, it's great to have my thoughts backed up by somebody that actually manages real money, a real amount of money. Uh, he basically says that look, gold could go lower from where it is right now, you know, as I speak as they recorded around 1500. It could Go lower, whatever that number is. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. 1400, 1350, 13, whatever. And obviously, if it does so, it would be better for somebody to enter into a position or, or add to their stack at that price or start their stack 
than it would be right now at 1500 It's kind of a no-brainer. However, he basically says that, hey, if you don't have a position in gold, and, and I think in many ways we, we can extend this to silver as well, if you don't have a possession, or in, in our type of, of language, if you haven't started stacking yet, then you need to. Don't wait for that correction because it may not come. There may be a decent chance that it will, but it may not come. And if it doesn't, then you're going to be left chasing the price going much, much higher. And he, the way he put it is that he sees gold in a secular bull market. That a couple of years from now, he sees it, you know, triple where it is right now, 4,500 an ounce, which granted, compared to some voices here. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. In the YouTube or podcast world is is pretty low, right? You see people talking about like... Uh, $20,000 gold, $100,000 gold, a million dollars, whatever. Okay. I'd be happy with 4500 right? I, I think, you know, in that type of a situation, silver, you know, would do more than triple. And so, you know, tripling from, from 18 would be $54. But I think the ratio would come down considerably and it'd be closer to 70 80 $90 an ounce. But I think it's an important reminder. You know, I have seen that fair bit here on, on YouTube in the past, especially when the price was lower. People talking about how they're holding out for lower and lower prices, looking for a bargain on uh, an asset whose primary role shouldn't be as a speculative uh, investment or anything like that, but rather as, as protection, um, as a hedge, as something that's going to perform well in a world in which a lot of other assets either won't perform well or will just continue to uh, to be blown up into a larger and larger bubble, right? That's what silver and gold are there for. And and it's always kind of irked me, you know, for instance, a year ago when, when the price in gold and silver were much, much lower, very low by today's standards. You know, silver in the $14 range, gold in the $1,200 range. People back then were talking about gold to 1000 or silver to $10, and then they're going to start buying or start buying again, add to their current position, which which isn't as egregious as as somebody that that hasn't yet started stacking and is going to start at that point. But I think it serves as a as a very important reminder that there's a, a limited amount of time before silver and gold become pretty um, unaffordable, to put it lightly, and that the upside potential for silver and gold far, far outweigh any sort of downside risk at this point in time. It could take a while. He could be off on his timing. I could be off on my timing. It could be another year or two from now before we see this bull market really continue. Um, but but day in and day out, I, I become more and more convinced that this is the bull market for silver and gold, that this isn't some one-year fake out to the upside and that somehow they're going to find new lows you know, in 2020. Uh, that's borne out by the charts, but it's also borne out by all these very important events going on around us in central banking and government and the economy, etc. So moving on from silver and gold, the other topic that I wanted to discuss 
uh, was uh, China and the current situation that they're facing. I, I'm not going to go into too much detail here, uh, but but this was from an article over on Zero Hedge. Quote, Chinese bank on verge of collapse after sudden bank run. Uh, discussing a, a bank run that's currently occurring in a, uh, let's see here, uh, the main brand or a branch or the, the bank as a whole, Henan Yishuan Rural Commercial Bank. So it's a generally rural bank um, that's undergoing a bank run right now. Uh, and, and in the whole scheme of things, this is not on the scale as far as I know of, of something like JP Morgan or Wells Fargo or something undergoing a bank run. Uh, but, but it's come after a string of, of multiple bank failures and, and overall, you know, just events that, that would be concerning to me if, if I was a depositor anywhere in, in China's financial system. And so basically as, as it generally goes with a bank run, uh, individuals in that, 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 hold money at this bank caught wind that it may be going under and they want their money out of the bank. And and this article does a great job of detailing just the, the kind of desperation of this bank to, to, uh, maintain confidence in individuals holdings, um, such as news that the, uh, some, some local politicians, bank executives and whatnot were outside the bank with literally wads of cash to show that they still had money. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's, it would be humorous if it wasn't so, I don't know, maddening, right? Because they likely don't have the money, right? There's probably some truth to those rumors. How about this one? Uh, a guy that was going into to uh, cash out his mother's life savings, which apparently was in some sort of a, um, probably something like a CD, where she's earning a certain amount of interest rate on it, and... If you don't hold it for the entire length of, of, of whatever, you can still take it out, but you're not going to earn any interest that you've accrued along the way. <clears throat> and the bank basically said, well, try and hold it here for a couple more months till March, and, and you'll get that extra interest. Uh, plus, we'll give you bonuses, and they tried to bribe them with, like, supermarket gift cards and just all this. I mean, it's desperate, right? If anything, that should be a positive for the bank if somebody cashes out uh, of something like that ahead of time and the bank doesn't have to pay them interest, that's a positive. Unless there's concerns about liquidity, concerns about a, a, a cash shortage. And, and I thought this was interesting. Now, do I think that this is uh, a sign that China's financial system is going to collapse tomorrow? No, but I think it's another event in a whole string of events that show that China's financial system is in a precarious position, especially as their economy and the global economy continues to slow down and the trade war continues to to rage on. Um, I think it's also an important reminder for for us, our, our, our friends, our family members, parents, children, whatever, that find um, comfort in, in having their assets in such accounts. You know, in fact, you know, as I was kind of preparing for this today, I, I saw this article over on Seeking Alpha, and I'm not going to go super deep into it, by a user by the name of Psychoanalyst. And it's titled, Lock in a completely safe 3.25% return with this high yield CD. Well, <laughs> it's such a weird world we live in. First of all, 
in in what universe is 3.25% high yield? Um, never mind the fact that high yield these days seems to be a, a bit of a euphemism for for risk, right? You look at junk bonds, which have been basically renamed high yield bonds. It's it's a euphemism. But also there's that whole completely safe. There nothing's we, you guys know that there's nothing nothing is completely safe. Even the silver and gold in, in your vault or in your house or whatever is not completely safe. Somebody could theoretically take that. Uh, it, it certainly I think would be safer there than than at a bank or something. But the same goes for the CD. It's it's not completely safe. You have risks. You have liquidity risks, such as what's going on in China right now. Um, you have uh, counterparty risk with with the bank itself or the broader financial system. You have inflationary risk, right? 3.25% is not all that high of interest rate. And uh, w- with a higher inflation, you could be actually losing purchasing power, right? All it takes is for inflation to average, you know, over the length of that, that CD above 3.25% and you're losing purchasing power over the length of that. Now, is it better than a savings account? Sure. Those yield very little, especially as, as rates continue to fall with, with the Fed cutting rates and whatnot. But but the idea that 3.25% CD is either completely safe or high yield is just, it, it's humorous. Again, it would be hum- even more humorous if it wasn't so frustrating, so maddening in, in today's world. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this this uh, weekly roundup uh, a lot of more philosophical talk today. Um, next week, I'll be back with some more news, some more market analysis and whatnot. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to today's podcast and God bless.